Hey everybody, Saul Marquez here with the Outcomes Rocket. I want to welcome you back to this amazing series on cybersecurity for health systems and organizations. In this podcast series, we're covering health leaders that were part of the health sector workforce cybersecurity working group on what they've done to help make cyber safety a better possibility for all of us. And today I have the privilege of hosting two outstanding guests. First, I wanna introduce you to Matt McMahon. He's an R&D lead and senior product manager for cybersecurity with Philips. He also works as a graduate adjunct professor teaching coursework in cybersecurity and healthcare at Saul Virginia University. Matt has been a cybersecurity subject matter expert for both MIT and CompTIA. He currently leads two different cyber working groups with the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council and regularly speaks on the topic of cybersecurity and healthcare at conferences and around the world. We also have Brandon Blunt with us on the podcast. He is a senior cybersecurity specialist for cybersecurity assurance, governance, risk, and compliance with the Cleveland Clinic. He has been a part of the Health Sector Coordinating Council since 2018 and has had the honor of being co-chair for the Workforce Task Group. Brandon has also been a panel speaker on medical device cybersecurity, and he's currently pursuing his master's in legal studies in pharmaceutical and medical device compliance law. In this podcast, we're going to cover cybersecurity talent what it takes to get it, and also uh, share with you a resource called the Workforce Guide and how it could help you with your recruitment and talent in cybersecurity. So with that, I want to I want to welcome both of you, Matt and Brandon, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank Thanks, you. Welcome. So uh, before we dive into the questions, guys, I, I'd love to find out from both of you, what, what inspires your work in healthcare cybersecurity? I'll let you go first, Matt. <laughs> okay, no problem. I was doing the same. Um, so I've worked in healthcare for a number of years now, probably more than 10. For me, it's, you know, you've always had that that satisfaction of working. So, so working in cybersecurity is obviously, you know, interesting and something that people that work in the field get really excited to, <laughs> to kind of dive into the technical aspects. But it's always been great working in the medical sector because, you know, you're protecting such important technologies that literally save, save people's lives. Uh, and if you look at any of the kind of uh, healthcare cybersecurity stats out there. It's really getting to be kind of the wild west with uh, the just the volume of attacks and specific targeting of health of the healthcare sector, uh, hospitals and things like that, like the, you know, take the takedown taking offline of uh, hospitals with ransomware during uh, COVID, which is, you know, uh, pretty scary. So, you know, that that's really why I kind of stick with healthcare and have determined to kind of stay with healthcare, not just for the interest in cybersecurity, but, you know, because we're doing good things, I feel like. Yeah, I appreciate that, Matt. Huge impact uh, with with that cross-section of both. And how about you, Brandon? I've been in healthcare for most of my professional life, even before I went into the cybersecurity field. I've been a part of emergency medical services, working on an ambulance in the state of New York for many, many years. And when I decided to make a career change, I wanted to do something that still was challenging. It was, you know, fast paced and and still something really fun to do, like being on the ambulance. But also I wanted to still make an impact and help patients. And that's why I stay in the healthcare, healthcare sector and have specialized in 
cybersecurity within this within this uh, this domain. Yeah, that's fantastic, Brandon. Certainly a, a high impact area, and uh, and you know, oh, go ahead, Matt. Were you going to comment gonna on something? That, yeah, I was going to say that's pretty cool, Brandon. I actually didn't know uh, both of us apparently were EMT, so I didn't know that about you. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I'm Very still cool. I'm still certified, but I no longer am doing that work. So you were an uh, EMT as well, Matt, huh? Yeah, many, many, many years ago. <laughs> and you know, there's something about that, like this, this being ready for sort of those surprises, being able to respond with agility. I think I've, I've, you know, I've been interviewing a lot of the folks on the on the crew that have come up with a lot of these documents, and I, I, I noticed that about you all is that you have this, um, you have this responsiveness about you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> so it might be surprising, but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> and so on this topic of uh, of workforce talent, finding it, we're we're struggling all across healthcare. I mean, from nurses to physician shortages, it's a challenge. But this uh, this series is about cybersecurity. So talk to us about how hard it is to find cybersecurity talent and what is that looking like right now? I mean, is it is it a challenge? I would definitely agree and say that it is a challenge. I think it's always been a challenge, especially with how the world changes from day to day and our perspective on, you know, what is talent? What are the requirements for have somebody get into this sector, no matter if it's healthcare, or finance, or government? What's the education requirements? Is there a standardization between certifications? What kind of certifications should someone have? And what, where those fit within either entry, mid, or senior level? There's also, I think, different avenues within cybersecurity, it, more of a technical and a management side. So trying to find somebody who wants to go either path and, and, and cost to get into cybersecurity from an education standpoint. I know it's definitely a it's definitely a big cost for higher education, no matter what you're going for, as we all know, mm-hmm. uh, to go to some of these universities. And with some companies, you, you have to do that because everybody's looking for these requirements that they want in a candidate that sometimes just doesn't work. Um, I've seen entry-level jobs posted out there and I don't know if you have Matt too, but absolutely looking for five plus years with a bachelor's and a CSSIP and other certifications that really doesn't mirror an entry level position. So it's it's hard to get somebody in there. And I think it's time for us as an organization to start thinking outside the box yeah, or not, as a sector, as a sector, really. Absolutely. And I know, you know, in in healthcare, obviously, healthcare tends to pay a little bit less than some of our other sectors. So banking, you know, comes in and is able to to sneak some of our staff away. But on the medical device manufacturer side, one of the things that we've really struggled with, and I've seen this across a couple different companies, is it's not even just cybersecurity knowledge now. It's it's knowledge of just a, a huge emerging tech set. When I interviewed for my current job, they wanted to validate that I had cybersecurity experience and certifications and, and training. But because of the role that I was going into, they also wanted cloud experience and AI experience because some mm-hmm. of the products are AI-based. They wanted government uh, experience to know that 
I can work with getting uh, some of our products certified for maybe FedRAMP or RMF. So a lot of our products are just, you know, especially as we're moving into public health where the devices are kind of blending. It's not just the medical device manufacturers, but now the Googles of the world are becoming medical device manufacturers or are kind of coming into that space, not medical device manufacturers per se, but that 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 personal technology that we're incorporating into data that uh, physicians are seeing. A lot of the roles are just really becoming these unicorns where if I needed to name two or three people, I mean, we're putting out recs that if I had to look through my entire LinkedIn group, uh, you know, there might be two people that fill all the things that we're, we're looking to find. So it's becoming really difficult. Yeah. And, and as we all know, cybersecurity as a whole is a very broad sector from no matter what, what area you're working in. Medical device cybersecurity is, in my opinion, is, is relatively new with what I've seen and with even experienced people I've talked to out there because now we're just starting to look at getting security stacks and procedures installed on medical devices and, and working with the manufacturers from a different perspective from a healthcare organization or the manufacturer going to a healthcare organization trying to figure out how we make these devices safer. And it's hard to find somebody too, in some ways, that has that split between a clinical side of knowledge and technical side of knowledge. Like Matt said, sometimes it's like looking for a unicorn, but I think if we start looking outside the, you know, using outside the box methods, we we can get there as a sector. I know it took me a very long time to break into cybersecurity because of the requirements I stated in the past. It took one director to take a shot on me and it worked out for the best for both of us. Yeah, now some great, great highlights, guys. It is difficult. And, and you know, this whole concept of cybersecurity for med devices is more new and new requirements have come out of it. So it is sort of a you know, a ubiquitous need, but it is newer in, in some of the segments that we're used to, like med devices. So as organizations, both healthcare delivery organizations, like on your half, Brandon, Matt, you know, the, the medical device manufacturers, as we're all looking to attract cybersecurity talent and develop cybersecurity talent, what are some of the ways we could compete for this talent, especially when competing against big tech and finance? Yeah, I think paying the same is, is, is going to be difficult, certainly in some sectors. I think leveraging the fact that we're doing that really important work that, that that really potentially can save lives. You know, I know that's a big, big driver for me uh, and a lot of others in the field. So if we can kind of leverage that, but we also do really interesting work. You know, some of the projects that I've been on, certainly at some of the big tech giants, you're going to get involved in really interesting work too. But, you know, some of the medical device manufacturers and even a lot of the hospitals, we're seeing some of their labs are just producing really interesting, uh, you know, studies. I think that's really one way to kind of get people interested is kind of to show them, you know, healthcare is really the merging of several different emerging technologies uh, into cybersecurity and into all these other roles, which I think is, I think that's really one selling point. But to be able to get people in the the door, I think to Brandon's point, it's really important to put out 
good job descriptions that say, you know what, we'd like this basic level of cybersecurity competence, but this role does have a cloud component. We don't expect you to both be a cybersecurity and cloud expert. We can send you to trainings and kind of grow you into that cloud role. So we need someone that's that's willing to continue to grow, but have a basic understanding of, of some of the concepts. Yeah, some great call outs. Brandon, any any thoughts from either? Uh, yeah, you know, I agree with Matt completely on his statements there. And, you know, we can also look at specializing and tailoring cybersecurity for healthcare in education. You know, get more cybersecurity healthcare certifications out there, educational classes. It doesn't have to just be a degree. It could be a certificate or a license, um, something to get people in the door and, and get going. Uh, there's lots of people out there, you know, smarter than anybody that I might know or smarter than me. They just can't get that path because they're blocked by finance or they, they can't get enough aid to go to college and nobody will give them give them a look. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, using that kind of, uh, of leverage, we, we can get there and utilizing, you know, it, it, students within the college or even high school. Um, if you look inside the workforce, uh, the workforce guide that we we published, it talks about student staffing pipeline as one of the sectors is getting part-time work or internships or getting students at a high school level involved. So that way they have another avenue to pivot to other than just big tech or finance. Not that it's a bad, you know, not a bad way to go that way, but sometimes people don't know about the healthcare sector and cybersecurity because they think cybersecurity and it's got to be big tech or finance. Yeah. No, some great call outs. And you brought out the workforce guide, Brandon. So this is a document that you and a, and a group of other stakeholders put together as part of the cybersecurity efforts. And tell us how the workforce guide works, what's in it, how can it help organizations? The workforce guide is is a great tool to utilize and it, it's mainly, it's structured for healthcare, but I think you could use it for any sector, just the way it's laid out. You know, it gives you a nice overview of how critical healthcare is from a cybersecurity perspective, patient care perspective, and how vulnerable it is to do cyber attacks and, and malicious uh, actors. And, and it also goes into, you know, giving you a guide on how you can build a workforce uh, ladder and build a cybersecurity team with using different ideas like the student pipeline. It also goes into giving you, you know, tactics for success. You can also use this too, not just for a staffing point, but also employee uh, retention. Another way to, to do the staffing is take IT staff who might be sysadmins, help desk, see if they are interested in cybersecurity and develop a path where they, you know, do an apprenticeship with somebody within the organization, either on the management side or the technical side, and have an HR path for them to see how and which way they want to go. This way, you're developing your team from within that already knows the organization. And then you get them and promote them, not promote their their personal and their professional career, because... Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, a personal goal for people to move up in a company. And that way, you're going to keep loyalty and, and retention of employees. 
And then you can look at backfilling those positions or even the entry-level positions and do the same thing. And this way, you're going to start developing employees that know the environment and are learning from others within the company that have ex- extreme amount of experience, not just with the company, but in cybersecurity in general. And this way, it'll actually teach them the requirements that we're looking for in this sector and cybersecurity as a whole, not just you know an overview of cybersecurity. It actually gets them hands-on and they can have the tactics for success. Well, I think that's great, Brandon. And, and folks, just as a reminder, as we have in all previous episodes, the Workforce Guide is a downloadable document that you could get from the Health Sector Council's website. You don't have to go hunting for it. We have created a link for you to go ahead and download that. Just go to the show notes of this podcast and you'll be able to have access to that. Brandon, thank you for that. So one, one thing is hiring the talent. The next thing is developing and keeping good talent. What are the thoughts around that? Maybe Matt, you could you could start us off with with that one. Yeah, I, I really liked some of Brandon's comments about you know looking to your internal staff that maybe aren't currently in a cybersecurity role but are interested, especially if they already have a foot in the door of tech. At a previous employer that I worked at, uh, another large uh, medical device manufacturer, we <laughs> I actually launched a mentorship program and was. A, a little bit overwhelmed to find that we had almost 60 people sign up, <laughs> internal candidates that, uh, you know, kind of came from all different organizations, uh, service, sales, primarily service, but it was really interesting who came out of the woodwork. So we had them provide their background a lot. And this was interesting based on kind of where they lived and what was available for a job at that point. We had first level service staff we had one individual that had a CISP, so that certification brand was talking about that high level need five years of experience in cybersecurity to get. So again, we had an entry level service person with that certification. We had a number of individuals that came from military experience where they had pretty good cybersecurity experience from that, from those roles that once we paired them up with, well, it's a little difficult to find almost 60 internal cybersecurity people to agree to have a mentor, but it worked really well. You know, we tried to pair them up with interest of, you know, what, as Brandon was saying, there, there's such a broad diversity of roles within cybersecurity. So we kind of tried to pair them up with individuals that were working in the field that they, that they wanted to go into. So maybe more digital forensics for some of them maybe more technical penetration testing, maybe some just wanted to do risk assessments and things like that. So that was really interesting. I would definitely suggest creating that mentorship program internally within your own organization. You'd be really surprised who comes out of the woodwork uh, and their, their current experience level. And it was really beneficial to the mentors too, because now these are cybersecurity, you know, medium to, to senior level cybersecurity people in a lot of cases that really were kind of drowning, I wouldn't say drowning, but were had a lot of work to do. And now they're able to, to give these individuals some of their work to help them learn and grow. Uh, and it was really a mutually beneficial situation. So that would be definitely one way that, that I would say to go, definitely the, the mentorship program. It's a little bit trickier to bring in interns. We've kind of tried to do that, but bringing in individuals to work in cybersecurity outside of the company, um, but but definitely leverage your internal staff, uh, and you can do a lot of training internally too. You can do 
uh, lunch and learns. Basically, what we did was, so I attend two different local DEF CON chapters. So, you know, the, the typical hacker kind of collective or hacker meetup yeah. where you meet up once a month and one mm -hmm. person from the group does a presentation on whatever technical topic they want to do a presentation on. Well, you can do the same thing in your organization. Once a month, you can have a lunch and learn, have one of the developers that's maybe working on a, a cybersecurity topic, give a presentation, the lessons learned, it's internal only, this is what we did. You know, we were trying to implement a new cybersecurity feature. Here was the pros, here's the cons, here's what the 10 other businesses uh, in our organization can do to kind of learn from that. So that, that was really beneficial as well. Some great ideas yes. there, Matt. Yeah, Brandon, yes. go ahead. And and again, I can't stress enough too, training, like Matt touched on training, giving your staff the opportunity to trained in this is what's going to also help. Because even if they're not in cybersecurity, you know, specifically for their job function, everybody is responsible for cybersecurity all the way down to the end user. And yep. if you have your IT team trained in cybersecurity and allow them to go to these trainings and you know, I know everybody, you know, financially with COVID and everything going on, training, I think, is something that we that we should really be uh, looking at because that's going to help us in this field. And again, it's it's part of that's part of the tactics for success in the workforce guide. And I'll say it again is think outside the box. I know myself and others out there that have worked in IT that have come across nurses that are EMR system administrators. That's a that's a great pool to to pick from when you're looking for somebody that has a clinical side experience and an IT side. So again, that's apprenticeships really and men mentorship programs, seeing who you know is willing to pivot for a career change. Not you know, there are people out there that would like to do that. So yeah. keeping an open mind is key. And there are, there are some, you know, good low cost resources out there. There's some great videos uh, online, maybe on YouTube. Uh, another thing that, I, that I've done quite a bit of is, it, you know, while a, a certification in cybersecurity may cost anywhere, it's CompTIA from like $250 all the way up to like $700 to, to take the exam, which certainly if you're getting into the field is, is pretty expensive. The study guides are usually anywhere from $25 to $35, so uh, you don't actually need to get the certification. Certainly, it helps with finding a new job, but if you're just trying to skill up, you, know, you can buy a couple of those books for $30, bucks, read through them, and uh, you can even take the tests at the end and have the good feeling that you've, you know, you, you've passed uh, based on the test. Certainly, you, can't, so you don't have the certification then, which, which is a bit of a bummer, but it is one way to, uh, to skill up. That's awesome, guys. And folks, from a hiring perspective, you you know, the what uh, Matt and Brandon are offering up here are things to be considered. Got to be creative. You got to you got to be open minded. You got to look in those less thought of areas. The EMR specialist idea was really great. Maybe it's a nurse informaticist. Maybe it's somebody that never even did cybersecurity before. So really appreciate this, this guys, and, and great work on the workforce guide. I think it's a great resource. What's coming next? All right, I can start, then we'll, we'll circle back with Brandon. So actually, so this topic is, is something that I'm very interested in and engaged with, obviously working with the workforce development group, uh, being a part-time professor, all of those good things. I actually create, if you're kind of interested in learning a little bit more of these topics, kind of creative things that we've done within corporate environments to 
come up with creative cybersecurity training opportunities. Um, I'm actually giving a, a full hour-long talk at the ISC Squared Security Conference next week. So I know that's a closed conference, but I'm hoping that that will be recorded and then available. Uh, if it is available, I'll put it put it on YouTube. If not available, feel free to reach out with the contacts, and I'm, I'm happy to provide the slides for that. Love it. Thank you, Matt. And Brandon, how about you? With the workforce guide being done, what are the next projects coming out of that group and other opportunities for organizations and people wanting to get involved in cybersecurity that that they could leverage? Uh, there's, you know, videos that, that, they're, that the group is working on. Um, there's always ideas being being talked about within the group. Yeah, I think there's, the videos are definitely something to to kind of highlight those are, I believe it's, what is it, 13, Brandon, I think, videos that are uh, specific to the healthcare sector aimed at clinical staff. The, the speaker is uh, Dr. Christian Demeff, who's an ER doctor from UC, yes. uh, UCSD. They should be out in the coming months. We're recording them now, so we'll see how long it takes to, to get those done, but definitely look for those. Uh, those will be freely available, I believe, on YouTube, so if you don't want to or don't have the budget to create your own hospital IT cybersecurity training, uh, we've provided it for free. So feel free to take those and utilize those in your own training program. Love yes. that. Love that. No, well, listen, fantastic. Thank you both, Matt, Brandon, for spending some time with us talking through cybersecurity talent. How can we position ourselves to compete against some of the that big tech and finance? And what can we do as an industry to level up and and, and increase training and opportunities for people once we get them in the door. I uh, just want to thank both of you for, for your time today. We'll, finally, what call to action would you both leave our listeners with? And uh, then we could conclude. I would say, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about how to get people involved in cybersecurity that, that maybe aren't that involved in cybersecurity. And it's certainly very, very scary being that person on the outside kind of trying to break in and thinking, you know, I don't have the bachelor's in computer science, you know, can I really get into this field? One of the most interesting things to do as a cybersecurity professional is to go to a conference and ask 10 random people you meet how they get into cybersecurity, and you're going to get 10 completely different stories. I mean, some of the most respected and well-known cybersecurity people in the field have really interesting backgrounds. Like one of them that comes to mind was a former librarian, you know, like, if you can really get into cybersecurity from a lot of different fields. Um, and certainly we need, we need the uh, additional staffing. So I'm not going to say that it's, it's, it's super easy because there is a lot of uh, obviously technical information to, to kind of scale up on networking and things like that. The more you know, the, the better you are and you know, more employable you'll be. But definitely don't think that you know, because you don't have a traditional computer science background and degree that cyber isn't for you. It might actually be something that really is interesting for you. Uh, personally, I went to undergraduate for clinical psych, so that, uh, that that's kind of started my path. So definitely consider cybersecurity and especially consider healthcare cybersecurity. Yes. IT is changing every day um, from what I see, especially cybersecurity on you know, what, it, what attackers are looking for, the different types of malware that are coming out. You can, if you work hard and you're willing to learn and do the grind and hustle to, to get in to get the uh, get the knowledge. I think that getting the basics will help you go a long way. And I think also maybe leveraging some of our 
our certification companies out there to help get people into cybersecurity, you know, creating more of an entry level certificate or route for someone to go that might not be able to afford the traditional college roadmap. And also putting out there places where people can go to see those roadmaps of the different domains within cybersecurity, the different avenues they can take from a technical perspective, from somebody that wants to, you know, get on a red team or, and, you know, do pen testing or somebody wants to go on the management side and look at policies and procedures and IT contracts, things in that perspective too, from a cybersecurity legal area. There's, there's different ways and avenues that we can all, as, as a team, build this workforce and bring people in, I, I feel. We just need to work together and help open those doors, not restrict them. Love that. Brandon, thank you. And Matt, thank you as well. Uh, you've left us with a lot of great ideas to, to build our, our staff and, and, our, and our teams, be they technical, management, leadership, in cybersecurity. So I want to thank you both for your time today and your contributions to this podcast series. Thank you. And thanks for having us.